This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 33, season two wrap-up. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Save Eureka, where we will be talking in fast forward the whole night and covering three episodes in the space of one. Uh, Hello, I'll (laughs) be going extra slow to compensate for Audra. (laughs) Are you saying I'm dumb? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't. Starting early tonight. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, we're we're looking at at three episodes on Man Eater, uh, <laughs> which is awesome, by the way. Oh, here she comes! I was humming that the whole episode. Oh man, <clears throat> I think it's terrific that we finally get like a also, silly Audra, kind I, of. I got to tell you that Audra was breathing her food prior to the episode, so if she's coughing. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, it it wasn't merely watching twenty women, you know. Pounce on Jack Carter. You know how they say she was so really. Hungry? I just she... swallowed the vegetable bad. <laughs> you know, you know, you know how they say she was so hungry she inhaled it. Well, <laughs> I could just eat him up. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> yeah, that's great. So man eater, huh? Yeah, we're talking about the episode anyway. Uh... Yeah. So <laughs> apparently. Um... <laughs> apparently there's this thing in the air that makes everybody want jack carter see i think it would have been cool if they had more um more of a mix of people after jack you know like men and women you know <laughs> yeah henry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, th- I i got all of that that <laughs> well was... jack you said i wasn't opening up to you <laughs> <laughs> Like okay, first of all, I think the most important thing about this episode is that right is is the woman who appears right at the beginning, and I forget her name in the episode because I just always think of her from from Stargate. She's oh, you oh, mean um, uh, the one who plays uh, Carol Lamb on Stargate? Yeah, I don't even who's Carol. I don't even remember that. Doc, uh, <laughs> not first Doctor. Oh, right. <laughs> See? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, Lexa, Lexa, I don't know how to pronounce it. Doig, oh, Black, I know who you're talking uh, about. The one who plays uh, the daughter of the general. Yeah, Dr. Carolyn Lamb. On yeah, Star yeah, exactly. Okay, I know who you're talking about. And, uh, of course, she is in real life, right? The wife of the actor who plays Daniel Jackson. Michael Shanks. Yep. Right. Yeah, and this they is... They actually the- met on the set of uh, Andromeda, where really? they... Uh, yeah, well, she uh, on Andromeda, she played the Andromeda Ascendant and Rami, her, the AI robot. Oh, right. Uh, Android. And uh, in the episode where Michael Shanks was guest starring, he was playing another AI who Rami falls in love with. And then I guess the that irony. continued. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, she appears. And then, of like course, super hot Daniel Jackson. Yeah. And then, of course, Daniel Jackson appears in the next episode, right, which is right. which is can't be an accident, I suppose. They were in town. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, you could play a blacksmith sort of guy, couldn't you? But I think it's funny that the idea, like the scientific idea that this peptide or whatever from Taggart's lab, which, by the way, where's Taggart been? Uh, I guess he's been cooking up this, you know, 
the luck virus and the sexual magnetism virus like in Red Dwarf. Did you ever see those, You have to make room for the poop guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Juan, did you ever see, um, what was it, season eight of Red Dwarf with the sexual magnetism virus and the luck virus? Oh, I am... It was if, pretty, I, if I did, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, there basically there's this terrific episode where Rimmer abuses it, and um, he wants to get the most bang for his buck per se. I guess really? as you could say out of the uh, the sexual magnetism virus, so he injects it directly into his groin, and then <laughs> and then he can't walk, so he's like he's walking around like he's numb from the waist down, and and he looks like this ridiculous like he he's you know, just stumbling all over. And these women are like, hi, <laughs> everywhere. <he goes. laughs> and I just think it's funny because it, it makes you wonder, like, really, what is the chemistry of attraction? Like, is attraction that carnal? That's simple. Yeah. Is it that simple that a, a chemical could make people that crazy? You'd think that there would have to be some other aspect to, like, blend with it to make an ideal combination. But apparently, if you have enough of the one thing... What, Sheriff, sheriff Grabass isn't enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? The, the Gilroy? <laughs> yeah. Ocean's 13. The Gilroy. The yeah. Carter. Hey, it was yeah. the nose. The nose plays. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm coughing. But Let's yeah. all cough. <clears throat> but seriously, I mean, so this is a classic... Um, this is a classic Eureka episode. I mean, come on. The solution for it is what? Henry's asthma inhaler or something? Yep. Like, what? <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> so asthma, I guess the antidote to being sexy is having an inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's either that or frequent nosebleeds. <laughs> this was easier to pump into the air. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, 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 quote, scientific explanation was that the, uh, the, whatever he was using for allergies would, uh, um, produce the, basically bond to the pollen spores and, right. and, uh, you know, basically turn them into phlegm. So basically they deflemmed the whole, uh, town. That's really gross. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, in the medieval period, uh, doctors believed that our, our four humors, they were called, uh, were like the the bodily fluids that actually controlled your emotions, and phlegm was one of them. Well, wow! There, there, there you was go. there See? was black bile, yellow bile, blood, and phlegm. <laughs> and those were like all like if you had too much uh, anger, or I think it was like if you had too much jealousy, then you had too much yellow bile, and too much anger. I think was too much blood, and you know. So basically, like if you were an angry person, they would like cut you and, and let a bunch of your blood out, <laughs> and it would make you less angry. <laughs> <laughs> also or, make you anemic, <laughs> <laughs> and or afraid that people would cut you more. Either yeah, right. way, <laughs> either way, it works out, right? I wonder how they deflem you i guess this is how you deflem yeah i guess this is a, they, henry's asthma medicine they would just too just, much phlegm makes you really randy i guess <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's which a is quiet, why i'm coughing apparently it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic sort of eureka s- solution you know it's got the the great humor in there with uh, with Fargo in his full glory, you know, with the bullhorn, you know. <laughs> All right, everybody, fifteen paces away from Carter. <laughs> that was awesome. Get back. <laughs> He's the like the chick wrangler. Chick wrangler. <laughs> Way to be discreet, Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, though, if you think about it, like a lot of these other ones, have been fairly significant. A 
stories a you know with a b story that's that's moving the uh the beverly situation ahead just a little and all of a sudden here we have what i have to admit is i feel like is kind of a very small a story and and they really this episode really exists to like it was almost like it the b story was so much fun well, no, I mean that—that's what I'm saying. The the A story was the the uh, was you know the peptide. Yeah. And and the B story in this one really took front seat, yeah. which was getting the Beverly thing positioned for this two parter. Right. I think you know more so than in the past. I don't understand why I find it so funny that Beverly was in Gitmo. I mean, it, that's a horrible thing to laugh at, but it's just I just it tickles me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because. It's absurd. It, it's a uh, yeah. I mean the the people who go there, you no, know, they could be American citizens. Yeah, I'm not saying they can't be, but it's just weird. I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to imagine Beverly like hitting on everyone at Gitmo, you know, <laughs> like seducing the guards. I think that's what's so using absurd all her about like psychological is, techniques is Beverly. And... It's not Gitmo. It's Beverly yeah, plus yeah. Gitmo is funny. In the, it she shows up be. in the orange jumpsuit. Gitmo not funny. Beverly right, yeah, Gitmo. Gitmo? Of, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, it was so absurd that they find her there that you're just like, plus, you, you can't stand her. And you're like, you know, you that's the kind of joke you would Yeah, I should send her to Gitmo. And, <laughs> and they do. And they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes the hard topic of Gitmo more, more hilarious than Beverly Barlow, I well, guess. Well, that's the other right? thing, because Gitmo is so, like, hyper-realistic. And the fact that it shows up in this fantasy show is just weird you know maybe it was just it could have been as simple as they needed a secret place to put her and they they could have explained that it was a secret place or they could just say <laughs> well you know what I, I, and then well, you're the, good the, the other thing is that other than like references of, of zoe in la there isn't really any real life location Anything, yeah. references yeah, I know. That's why so at weird. all so, you know, it's like if they say, we sent her to Alcatraz, <laughs> it would have been just as ludicrous, I think. Yeah, well, Which maybe I still right. think is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, would they put her on the tour? Or <laughs> Either this or getting you sent to Alcatraz. <laughs> Something in the middle, maybe. <laughs> she just insulted back. Line <laughs> <laughs> of the Concords reference for you people. Uh, yes, yes. Indeed. Which I need to watch some more of. I think that's on my list. Australia, New Zealanders all have tartar on their teeth. <laughs> it's a stereotype. <laughs> what are you doing up there? Bungee jumping? No. No, no we're not. <laughs> no. You look, like, you look like something, like a banana balls. You look like a banana balls. <laughs> okay, so the two-parter. I mean, seriously, the, the two-parter here. This is a season ender. And it's a big two-parter. And it kind of is just like a big-ass story. I'm kind of a fan. I I know that it doesn't necessarily play, you know, it's not critical to the Beverly part. But I'm a fan of stories that go back to ancient myths, like the the kind of twist on the Midas thing. You know, because the the myth in uh, the ancient Greek version is, uh, if I remember... um, Midas is like so greedy as this king, right? And he he ends up being granted this ability to that everything he touches will turn to gold. It's sort of like the gods kind of get him back. And and the gods of ancient Greece were were very like they took 
you know, human shape kind of, and they were very spiteful and jealous and they did all kinds of crappy mean things. Bastards. They were, they were, they cheated on each other and, you know, they, you know, just broke up relationships and screwed with people. And uh, they give him this ability so that everything he touches turns to gold. But of course he can't eat yeah, or drink or, or right. anything. And he ends up sort of like Fargo in the bubble. Right. <laughs> Except worse, because he ends up uh, turning his own family mm. into gold and, and just losing everything. Um, and then this one, of course, gold into rust. Yeah, it would be like Midas, but oh, by the way, it also... You can't sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and... And we bring in, I, I thought what was fun too is that uh, Michael Shanks comes in and he plays this uh, this artist, right? That is sort of, and, and help me here, Juan, because I was kind of unclear about this. Hot artist. But he's this artist and and he's the keeper of this secret? He is a secret alchemist, I guess. Like a society or something of them from that's been passing this on to protect society from right. learning about it, right? Yeah. Except for then he takes his alchemy experiments and gives them to a high school, apparently. Dope! Who, uh, <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that, that was what struck me as strange, first of all. It's like, okay, so he's this, he, he's like the, the... The temptation of those high school girls again. <laughs> hey, you want to see a secret? Older, you want to stay the same age. <laughs> you want to drive a car on Mars? <laughs> <laughs> You want to learn how to make common objects into gold? Come see my lab. But yeah, so so he has this he, he has this secret that I I got the feeling that he wasn't trying was he or wasn't he trying to perfect it himself? He was not trying to perfect it, right? Uh, I think he was probably guarding the secret, but he he must have at least been working on it because I mean the I mean the, the all all of the. Uh, the, the whole reason that that bracelet, you know, had that kind of corrosive result is that it had all of the kind of transmutation chemicals in it to begin with, right? That's what I thought. I, I got the feeling that he was trying to solve the problem, but he felt like everybody else shouldn't know about it because they're not good enough for something. It seems inherent to the art of alchemy that only a few people could know about it. Because if everybody knew about it, wouldn't the price of gold just fall so much it'd be worthless? You know, yes and no. That's an interesting question because on one hand, yes, just the rarity value of it as jewelry and so on, yes. But uh, it also has some very unique properties that make it very useful. And it would still, I think, be quite valuable. Um, Even in a practical sense? Yeah, in a practical sense. If if gold was was non-rare, it would still be more valuable than other metals. Is it very conductive? Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's super soft, though, right? Yes, and it's also, it has good heat transfer ability as well, right? Right. So, if if it, it would probably be used for some other purposes if it wasn't for the fact that it was so damn rare and expensive. I think, yeah, if, if gold weren't so rare, you'd have larger advances in electronics and stuff as well, too, because, you know, like, build all the gold things, right? And, you know... You have to compromise with different types of metals. I was just thinking about like your laptop getting hot on your lap and it would get hot enough to melt the the gold circuits, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because gold is really that soft. I mean, well, anyway. Well, it depends on, yeah. But yeah, I mean, anyway, it it would still, I think, have some value, but certainly not the kind of excessive value it comes from its rarity. But 
<clears throat> I got the feeling that he was working on the solution, but that he was also protecting it because, I mean, okay, let's face it, when when he discovers what's happening, you know, or when Carter figures it out in front of him, yeah, uh, he, he seems resigned to it. He seems like, okay, well, this is the curse, and if because we messed with it, we deserve to die. Well, he, he, I don't know. He's got a little bit of that kind of Daniel Jackson-ish yeah. kind of yeah, like, I was just gonna this, say this was very, this was very much, uh, you know, this, you know, we, I've, I've seen records of other civilizations falling from doing what Lucas yeah. just did. So why even bother trying to fix it? Because if another civilization can do it, I certainly can't. He, he's resigned to despair at that point. And at that point there's, he's just basically useless. Except he has really good arms. Yeah, if you needed something big picked up and moved around at that point, that would be perfect. <laughs> he, he, he'd be your guy, man. I just love well, that. Let's send it, him into GD. He could just lift that beam off of Fargo. See, now that would have been, that's true, you know? I mean, that would have been very useful. If there had been yeah. a beam there that you need to pick up, the rubble. he would have been very useful at that point. Well, I mean, in, in Stargate, <laughs> they always underplayed his physique because he was supposed to be this kind of, you know, like... Uh, scholarly, you know, not very yeah, athletic yeah, guy or whatever. He, he but he was a god. I mean, there's that. <laughs> yeah, Literally, yeah, he did return naked and toned. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He didn't go to the gym. He he ascended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a gym membership I could get on board with. <laughs> it's like Captain Hammer. Of course, yeah. I don't go to the gym. I'm just naturally I'm just like naturally this. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the other hand, I don't think he really seemed to be happy afterward. I mean, he, he was definitely more comfortable with himself, but I, I don't think the experience was necessarily a positive one for him. Ult- well, no, ultimately it was negative. Yeah. Uh, especially when he starts interacting with with, uh, with yeah. all the agents again and stuff, too. So yeah. He's like, no, this is why I left. You guys are all dicks. <laughs> Blessed are the biceps. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, he he was he this was obviously post Jim Michael Shanks. He was a big dude here. And uh well not a big dude, but He's a big dude. I think he's a big dude. It's a good replacement for while we're waiting for Zane to bulk up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Although, although in this two-parter, you you get the uh, the the uh, Fargo and Zane back and forth that results in Audra's favorite quote of the entire series. Oh yes! Oh my God! The yes. um, Boys, there's plenty of backdoor yeah. access for everyone. <laughs> I okay, love Joe's in you. Yes. That come out right. Oh my God. <laughs> Those are great, and they and they just keep getting better. I I love how they do that. You know, they they push a little further as Eureka kind of goes on in the series. They they take a little bit more risk with those innuendos. And this type of the writing is getting really strong in the in these last few episodes. <laughs> they didn't come out right. <laughs> she's just so cheap as she's like. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't come out right. And then moves on, which is very Joe as well. She's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, just yeah. do the thing. I like I like the retcon of the periscope too. It's just like down periscope. So he's like, was that always there? He's like, did I tell you that? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're just like, just like shrug. Okay, fine. <laughs> you never asked. <laughs> I mean, there's so many other things like that. You're like, okay. <laughs> it could. It totally could have been there the whole time. <laughs> I have known, man. I mean, how yep. about those? Uh, how about those walls that popped out in House Rules? You know. 
Those yeah, exactly. glass walls. Were those there the whole time? I don't know. I don't know. Suddenly there's all these rails in the carpet for some reason. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, it's Eureka, man. Stuff like you, that. You gotta love stuff like that. They're just like, yeah, what? It's here. This is a good set piece, right? <laughs> but that was that was number one was was my concern. I'm like, is is you know, is the artist like really was he working on it or wasn't he? And I, I'm glad that you guys were just as sort of unclear about that. Well, he, like, he, he had to have been working on it because I, I think Lucas was just incompetent and that he just washed it with a chemical, right? Like he, he didn't go, I'm going to, you know, make this bracelet and give it to her and hope that it turns into gold. Purest this smells green. like freaking porpoise hork. <laughs> <laughs> we got the competing Futurama and Black Adder. Yeah. Here. Oh Jesus! So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, actually, I, I I still think it wasn't Lucas's fault. I think it was totally the artist's fault because uh, he he had this scrap metal lying around that he didn't make any he didn't make clear at all that it had any dangerous properties. That it was just you know there was no reason for Lucas to think that it wasn't metal like the other metal that he was working with. You know. Well, yeah. If you have a bin labeled "scrap crap" and <laughs> you just take stuff out of it, you well, know, a, scrap. and you just yeah. have to, well, I mean, here's the oh thing. man, I accidentally built an arc reactor. <laughs> here's the thing: if you were in, you know, if you were in some blacksmith's like like you know place, and it had a you know it had a shop, and it had a bin that said "scrap metal," you would assume that it's not. He's not a closet alchemist that throws out his extremely <laughs> dangerous experiments in the scrap metal with, the with iron, uranium you know of course this yeah, is what, eureka so when sean comes into your shop and he sees that bin of like yeah. scrap pieces of one by one square tubing yeah. it's you like you know he might have treated those with a corrosive chemical he might he might no, he just pick up a piece and move on he might be a closet <laughs> alchemist better lick it to find out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I just happen to clean it with a particular acid, you know, it might destroy humanity. I don't know. And it's, like, it's like Walker, Texas Ranger, would always lick things to, to find out what they were. He always knew, like, everything was cocaine. He'd always find a rock, you know, or something. And he'd, he'd, like, lick it and be like, actually, cocaine. I have a funny story about that. <laughs> like, I took, you yeah. eat a lot of cocaine, Walker. <laughs> I took a, How do you know, Walker? <laughs> I took a, a geology class the first time around in college, and it was really funny. Um, cocaine. Pretty much. It, it was funny because... <laughs> it was in Texas. One of the things you had to do is they passed this box of rocks around, and you had to identify them, right? <laughs> like, like literally, you know, it'd be like this, this bin of rocks, and they'd all be labeled one, two, three, four, five, and you'd have to identify them. And the funny thing is, is that inevitably, somebody would lick the rock. Because <laughs> they would just be completely stumped. And they would lick it. And the funny thing is, there's only one that you could identify by licking it, right? Salt? Salt, yeah. Right. And it's one of 14. Sulfur, maybe. <laughs> 15 in the box, right? All the rest of them, guess what they taste like? Dirt. <laughs> and other people's saliva. Decaf coffee? It tastes like dirt and the saliva of this all the other... Mochicino. And the saliva <laughs> of all the other dumbasses who licked them because they couldn't figure out what they were. Tastes like the Blarney Stone. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This one tastes like herpes. <laughs> <laughs> but inevitably, you would look and there would always be somebody that would kind of look around and then be like... And taste it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he even would say it. And the guy, he was so awful because it was this. Uh, You're like, why are all these rocks wet? <laughs> this professor was always like, look, 
do not taste the rot. Okay, he's like, look, this one, this is salt. This one, you could taste. All the rest of them, they taste like dirt. You know, <laughs> but people would still do, do it. not taste, and inevitably they would. They would just be stumped. They think maybe if I taste it. In this course, we practice recycling, so you really don't want to be looking at these rocks. <laughs> they are used rocks. I have to admit, hundreds of classes to, before you have licked these. These were these were pulled out. They used to filter through the city sewage. <laughs> <laughs> this is so horrible. I, I shouldn't tell this story, but it's so funny. I can't not. This also was a class that this is awful. The poor professor was like really anal about where everybody sat. And this is a college class. Give me a break, right? He wanted everybody to sit in the same place every time they came in. Period. Probably because he couldn't learn their names. And that so was no, he never called anybody by name anyway. Oh. Huh. And and then the trick is, is that so he had this his way of taking attendance was he would pass the roll sheet down each aisle and you had to like put a check by, you know, you had to you had to write your name in or, or something. You are 27 <laughs> present. Yeah. And then, you know, and then he would count them at the end. He would figure it out. So people would, of course, write other people's names in, you know, because what the hell you get your buddy who sits next to you to write your name in and you're good. What? So there was an empty seat in my row, and he passes the thing through, and and it comes out and it's full, right? Uh huh. So he's like, someone is clearly missing here. Put a check by your name, so it goes through, and of course there's a check by every name, right? <laughs> Put a check by your name. That's it. So then he's like, he he he's just he's just getting madder and madder and madder, and he's thinking less and less and less, you know, because he's so angry. So he keeps coming He's up like with, the Hulk. He is. He, is yeah. he keeps coming up with these other tests and, and things for them to do, right? Which don't involve the real one, which right. is and ask each person. Check. Now put two checks. Yeah, ask each person their name, right? Where there's only like twelve people, you could have done it. So we go on like this for like ten minutes, you know, with him just getting Jeez. madder and madder and madder. And and the funny thing is, is I suspect that by the time like five minutes had gone by, because the guy was really unfriendly on top of all this, I don't even think the same person was doing it. I honestly think there's just everybody's <laughs> It's like, all right, you're wanting to hold up the class that we're paying for. Here, all right. Well, let's just f with this. I think everybody was just thinking. I wonder how far he'll go. You know, just kept, <laughs> kept putting the marks or doing the thing. and it just got freakier and freakier. And finally, he left. Wow, he just left. Really? Yeah. And and we all sat there for a while, and then we left. You know, and I feel bad because in hindsight, I mean, poor guy. He just he was having a bad time. You know, and 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 I, I you know, and I failed the class, so I won't. <laughs> Because oh, I stopped going eventually because I was a dumbass. But oh, he he would have never known because someone filled in your name. <laughs> oh. You're like, how did I get a B minus in this class? I didn't show up to it. I don't understand. You came to every class. I didn't do anything. No, Full I, I never knew enough people in the class to ever have somebody do that for me, even if I had wanted to. But anyway, I'm sorry. It's just, but it, the funny one was too, is like the first time it went through, he said, put your name down. And then he passed a new one out and put your name down. And somebody had put like Batman in, you know, <laughs> and because that was the near the last thing is he was like, well, here, fill this out from scratch. And, and, and somebody put Batman in and he got, he got really angry at that point. And then there was one more, like put a check or something. And then he left. 
Anyway, sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up, but it was just it no, was the geology. I'm suspend one of you. It was the uh, same random from the class. class. Turd Ferguson, get out of here, <laughs> Batman! You are suspended. Please Bad leave immediately. <laughs> so okay, so back to Bruce Wayne. Back to the the final episode sorry. here of of Eureka, the, the season <laughs> ender. No, I've got a I've got a question because I, I don't understand fully. Um, uh, yeah, the other one. Yeah. Okay. So other big question. Henry teams up with Beverly. Okay. First of all, of all people, yeah. Why? Okay, so he wants to remove. He wants to separate Kevin from the artifact, presumably so that the power of it doesn't get abused. Right. Well, let's let's back up one level because I think first of all, I got that <clears throat> Henry's Henry was trying to figure out what happened, what the hell was going on, and he wasn't allowed to find out anything or be a part of the artifact or what was going on with it. Right. right. So. So he he wanted to talk to Beverly because he wanted to understand what was happening, right? Right. So he's the one that lets her out, right? But then when he gets involved with her... For some reason, she's like in a a cell in Stark's place or something. Well, Stark gets her out and Stark brings her to Eureka because Stark wants to separate Kevin from the... the Yeah, exactly. So at this point, I want to separate the artifact from the series because I'm just tired of it. Well, you, you get your. <laughs> well, wish. this is exactly what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, but but where where I'm a little unclear is I I know that Stark gets her and and brings her back for that purpose. I know that that uh, that Henry encounters her and becomes aware because she's trying to manipulate a way to get out or to do something that she wants to do. She tells him about the consortium or about, no, she tells him about the artifact and about some of the things that are going on that, that, uh, Stark won't tell him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden he decides to team up with her for some reason, which is what I don't get. That's the part that falls apart because after she's given him all the information, she doesn't really do anything for the rest of the episode of me. Like I want to talk to Kevin. I want to talk to Kevin. I want to talk to Kevin. Yeah, like, like, okay, Rain Man. There, you are not needed, actually, at this point. Thank you very much. Uh, he could have just left her locked up and done the lockdown himself. And, and, and why? I don't understand, too. I mean, Henry knows that she had a part in Kim's death. And he's known this whole time. So why why isn't he angry at her? Or Was, Wasn't Henry even the guy that designed that transporter? I, I think they mentioned so. that as well. Yeah. So it's like he knows how to use it. He's got Stark there to give him the key missing piece of information about the DNA and stuff. And he's got all of the information he needs to do the lockdown. He's even got that situation where the gold lockdown, you know, the gold turning into other stuff, turning into whatever, right? He's got all of the thing. Why does he need Beverly? Yeah, I got to admit, I was a little unqueer. Arm candy? Yeah. I don't don't know. If anything, it's going to be harder to pull off his plan with her there because then he's got to sneak her into GD. She really kind of goes out like in a Sesco move though. I mean, oh, you are so right. <laughs> you, you are think? so right. She is the Sesco. Yeah. Of this. I mean, she, she is. She uses a transporter to escape essentially, you know, back into Beverly is or... totally the Sesco of, <laughs> of Eureka. Yeah. I had never thought about that. That is a great. She's a little less interesting than Sesco though. <laughs> True. She's like a Keska. <laughs> wow that's awful <laughs> no jeez wait how can i i can't know if i can yeah keska, they get through keska 
Keskuski. <laughs> Add that kind of blandness of Pulaski. <laughs> I see where you're going. Yeah. Keskuski? Yeah, it's Keskuske, just different, Keskuske. slightly different pronunciation. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's very Trek. I mean, I, I have to admit, I, I like that because it's Trek and I oh, love yeah, the Trek. fix it with the transporter. Yeah, Use the old yeah. transporter we'll image. We'll separate him. We'll make him, you know, two It'd be great if, like, Cole Meany was the guy that was, <laughs> that was the guest star on the episode. That was like, hold on. I decided to proceed. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you did, buddy. <laughs> I'm the only enlisted man in this whole place. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been, he could have been the poo guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he already did that. He was on DS9, right? Oh yeah, that's true. Was that oh, that one episode of DS9 where he was literally like cleaning rats out of the anyone who the has to be spaces? anyone who has to be married to Keiko must feel like the poo guy. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> She's annoying. <laughs> I want to start a school, and I don't care if it starts World War Ten. I'm fine with it. It's important. You know, you know what? I really got to give this episode credit for, though, is that at the end, there isn't that magical, oh, well, Henry's forgiven thing. Yes, I agree. Like, that- you know, if this were if this were a next-gen episode, it would be like, well, I think we can understand what mindset you're in, so there'll be no charges. You're it's so like, no, right. take him to Gitmo now. Well, and we Al- got a cell open to Beverly Barlow's cell. We go throw him in there. And Allison was basically ready to kill him. Over, I mean, protecting her son. Like, she takes out Beverly and then turn, you know, she's ready to take out Henry. That was great, too. It was just like, bam! Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> You go, Alice. <laughs> but I mean, the fact, I mean, she, who would have thought early on in Eureka that there could be an episode where anyone would threaten to kill Henry? And here he is being carted off to jail. It's just, it's so weird. And, you know, I have to admit, Juan, and, and every time I talk to you, uh, Juan, like about Henry and, and why you've always really been interested in his character, you always like kind of pull me back a little bit more toward him. But when it, whenever it's been a while, I always get that Odo feeling with him. It's true. I have that, to, like, you know, he broke my trust, kind of. I have to admit that that I got that with both him and Joe through the course of the I never of, felt that of way all the Joe. various seasons. Uh, not yet with Joe. It happens later for me <clears throat> with her. But J- Joe's less of kind of a dark character. Is she just just kind of? She's I, scary. I don't like she to be, say um, flaky is the wrong word. No, I was going to uh, say flaky actually. Flighty. Flighty. Yeah, that, that's that's closer. It's like basically when the going gets tough. Joe uh, gets the job done and then decides to leave. Well, she's really like she's surprisingly emotional for how tough she can be in some ways. She right. also, and, and, she also and has it, like it's almost like she gets things. put into these situations based on that character trait slash flaw because like, you know, Carter will push her past the point where she's comfortable, like being joked about what her job is and that kind of stuff. And, you know, she'll she'll internalize it all and then act on all the stuff she's been thinking through, but not told anybody about. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. I feel like she pretty much like Joe, just you never quite know which way she's going to fall on things. 
and and you don't know what's going to drive her falling one way or the other. Yeah. And it's not that she's bad. It's not that she's like a I can see why a bad you, person. But yeah. you just she might flop the other way and decide that she wants to make a decision based on she, something else. She's and then, unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks if you get caught up in it. I never did understand, though. I mean, back to Henry, I, I, I never really fully understood that dark side of him. And, and maybe it was just being so hurt, you know? It's also being so alone about it. He's not able yeah. to talk to anybody about oh, this. Oh, God, yeah. Because, like, he, 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 I mean, as we learn later in, in the series, is that if people knew that he was a time traveler, he would, he would be done. Like, his, his whole life would be done. And he would be in lockdown and he would not have any rights. He would just disappear. That's true. And he, he just has to he just has to internalize it all. Which then when he's tr- he's in a world that he thinks he can control for one because he has watched it happen once before. And he's trying to work to his own means. And then the people that he thinks are his friends but he's been neglecting the friendships on they start to they start to pull away from him based on his own thing he he looks at all of them that he's already mad at for letting kim die and he just you know doesn't care anymore so that it comes down to this kind of well you know i'll i'll, I'll help kevin because now i know i got to make something you know i got to make kim's death mean at least something right. that that i can at least fix this but at the same time I mean, he tried to say it to Stark. He's like, well, you know, I, I, I could have helped if you would let me in. And it's like, well, you know, you were kind of also being uh, in the wrong here, too, because you weren't telling Stark everything. So it's, it's just a whole... I mean, this season is based... This whole season has been based on lack of communication leads to bad things. I think that did just out of interest, Juan. Did Henry? Did you ever come to kind of trust Henry again? I think so. I did too. I agree. Um, I never did with Joe, and I and I admit those are for different reasons. The two of them, and it's a, it's different levels of trust too. Like I, I trust yeah. that Henry's a good person. Um, I think Joe's a good I person, but I don't. I'm but, not confident yeah, that that will. Rule. Well, I th- I don't think it's the doubt of whether or not Joe's a good person or not. It's well, that whether she'll be there week to week or how she'll interpret that. Right. You know, at the moment, she may interpret it differently. So she's like always an unknown force when she gets involved. I guess I don't think I, I think of Henry and Joe as kind of apples and oranges, though, because, you know, it is a very it's a very different. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. But in the I, end, I, I think both of them kind of fell out for me. I like like when they showed up, you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. And and I still at the very end I still of of where broadcast is today, you know, I still feel that way about Joe, but I don't about Henry. I do now about Henry and at this point and ever since, you know, he tried to save Kim and what happened afterward when he became deceitful after trying to save Kim. Yeah. He, he for a long time I did not trust him. You know, I I think that maybe some of that has to go to Joe Morton being able to portray such a, it, yeah. such a complex guy. Cause you know, if it wasn't done right, it would be easy to just think of Henry as like Henry's lost it and then just not ever trust him again. And I think that it's, yeah. you know, a lot of credit to him for showing how, how messed up he gets. Like one like, was, 
Well, you see him get messed up, and you, and he's playing it so well that you're watching him and going, "No, don't do that. Don't go off that yeah. deep end." You know, come 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 back to the light. Not just like, "Oh, well, he turned into a dick. Get rid of him." Yeah, yeah, and it's this weird, like you know, so much of me wants to be mad at him because you know, all the time travel, everything he tried to do to control things was just so wrong and, and so selfish in so many ways. But you can kind of see it, But too. you can kind of see, yeah, yeah how if, oh, if he, Kim was the love a- of his life and he's already found out that she was taken from him, you know, in other ways, like, you know, he's he's really messed up about this and he's never come to terms with it. Well, he's he's in good company. Look at, look at the five yeah. people in the bunker at the end of the episode. You've got Henry who thinks he, because of the future stuff, he can control everything when, in fact, he really doesn't have much control over anything. Um... Uh, Allison and Stark, who are, have used their power and influence to to their own ends, to the detriment of others. Beverly, who is trying to is basically being a tool to control everyone else, I and know. the only person that has any real power in the room is Kevin because he can read everyone's mind. He's the one that actually solves most of the problems. Kevin's in the, like, y'all are messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what the? Hell? It's like everybody in that room is vying for control, and it's really only Kevin that actually has the power to do anything about it. Poor kid. Yeah, poor Kevin. Poor Kevin can see around him. He's like, man, you all are a bunch of duplicitous assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, mom, I can read their brains, but you know what? This is getting ri- ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> man, so <clears throat> we do have as close to a reset as Eureka gets. Um, maybe an indicator of, of its kind of relatively assured of another season status at that point. Uh, the fact that they didn't go all the way, as you pointed out, Juan. You know, we did. We did see, uh, you know, Henry get carted off, even though they sort of he he had sort of come back with the other people there. They trusted him again, even though they didn't know the whole story. Still, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, this was uh, this was relatively tame, I think, as a season ender by later season standards. You know, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're about to have a huge jump forward when we start to look at the, uh, the the new season coming up next week. Here, yeah. I mean, from from this point on, <laughs> you have like main characters changing. You have you have the entire universe changing. You have um, character development, plot lines changing, romance levels changing, and characters being rewritten. And Zane gets buff. Like I said, characters being rewritten. <laughs> I, I was thinking, uh, you know, Henry as mayor, like, mayor. I like the sound of that. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's cool that, you know, he, he he's always had this leadership role. Yeah, but Eureka's yeah. always been ahead of the times, at least in what we saw later. But I guess I shouldn't talk about that. So I'll just let that go. Oh, should I not? Okay. That's okay. I, was, I, I wasn't trying to spoil things. I think next week, you know, and maybe this is a good place to stop before we do accidentally spoil more. Um, <laughs> like Audra just did. <laughs> no, no, you, did, you, did. you didn't, but we could okay, very right. easily. So uh, if you're listening next week, we are going to be watching new Eureka. Oh, I can't believe it. It just, oh, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah, it does. Yeah, well, that's because it has been forever. Yeah, it's awesome, though. I can't does wait. Does know, and I, I should know this, I, I'm sure, and I probably shouldn't ask her. I should have looked it up. But are they going to show, they're going to show their 10 more episodes, right? Or 11? 
Oh, and, and, I, don't, I, don't I have think to look it up. I think Eleven, they, right? Yeah, because they did the one extra. I think. Yeah, they they ordered one extra, and uh, uh, as as a final one. And are they going to show them all, or are we going to get breaks in between them? I'm sure there will be some breaks. Right now on Wikipedia, I show a six episode schedule. Um, ah. I, I I don't know what that really means. I mean, you've got air dates of April 16th, 23rd, 30th, and then May 7th, 14th, 21st. So we're going to get episodes all in a row here, at least six of them. So it'll be interesting. But it's going to, I think, yeah, I'm going to guess that six is going to be another big break. <laughs> wow. You know, well, you know, that's that's the thing is that this is. This is a franchise they're going to want to push until the end. I mean, this is this is the BSG scenario, right? Uh, well, if how, you, how long do we have to wait for the info dump, right? <laughs> well, if you guys are listening, and uh, those of you uh, who are listening and who are kind of the hangers-on for Eureka, if you know what's going on with this or have read somewhere, uh, shoot us an email. Let us know. We'd be interested to uh, to see what you know about it as well. And hopefully they'll show us all 10 relatively soon or 11 and... Uh, and we'll get yeah. to see the wrap-up of the universe. But anything to add here at the end, Audra? Oh, I would just suggest uh, in the meantime, um, you know, watch watch the show live when it's on because that will help support, you know, let them know that we support the, the writers and everything. And uh, if you're interested, if you're on Twitter, you should follow uh, Colin Ferguson. Uh, and it's just, it's at Colin Ferguson. Um, Jamie Paglia. And I'm trying to think. Um, oh, Erica Chera. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neil Grayston all tweet as well. Indeed, um, I think they're the mainly the as ones well as who. Well, so. Felicia Day, of course. Uh, about Eureka, that's true. That's true. So actually, uh, I believe also Neil Grayston is going to be on next week's episode of Tabletop. With nice, yes, I saw that. Sorry. Along with cool. Yeah, indeed. I can't wait because that's that's the uh, that's the Settlers of Catan episode. So <laughs> so Grayston is going to have wood for sheep. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube and search for tabletop. <laughs> <laughs> or wood for sheep. Trust me. Put yes. it in Google. You'll find it along with other things. Oh, I'm by the sure. way, there's a new Carcassonne. <laughs> Safe search set to high, please. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new iPhone app uh, for Carcassonne. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess that's it. We will see you next week with a new episode. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.